Well, hello, and uh, it's good to be with you again, and uh, thank you for joining in this time together. We do appreciate being able to gather together like this, and we look forward to getting together again sooner rather than later. So, this morning, I'm doing the second in the series of Mark's Gospel that uh, Barney kicked off last week, and today we're looking at the story of Jesus being confronted by a man with an unclean spirit while he was teaching in the synagogue. Uh, perhaps something we, we don't uh, talk a lot about today. And uh, so in, in looking at this subject, I just want to say if there's anything that occurs to you, anything that uh, just provokes you in any way as we travel through this particular story, if you need to speak to someone, you need prayer for anything uh, in relation to it, then please use the prayer link that is there on your screen or do get in contact with us as well. So... Six points just to begin with, straight off. Number one, the gospel is good news. That sounds strange because gospel actually means good news. It's a bit like saying the good news is good news. But sometimes we forget that. But actually, the gospel is the good news. God had come to to deal with the devil, the problem of sin, and to re-establish his reign. And secondly, uh, this is a biography, and it's presented in the form of Greco-Roman biography, it's not like our modern biographies that tell us every, every thought, every word, every nuance, every feeling. It's, it's, it's very specific in its nature. And thirdly, it's about God, uh, and more particularly about the character of God. And, and Jesus' identity is presented in terms of who God says he is. Jesus is God, and God is sovereign, and has power over the evil one. Fourthly, It's not myth or legend. Mark doesn't allow us to have those kind of options. The mighty deeds that we read through the book, the deliverances, the healings, the walking on water, stilling the storm, feeding of the multitudes, etc., they were for real. And people have tried to turn them down. They've suggested that maybe there were parables or explain them away, but they actually were for real. And I love the, the book of of Mark, Mark's Gospel, because it's, it's a fast-paced book. It's, there's lots of immediately, and we did this, and we did that. Fifthly, it also reveals uh, what God thinks about humanity. Humans aren't accidental beings, just here by accident. They are people actually made in God's image. Hence, God's great concern for justice through the Old Testament, and as we turn over into the New Testament... And as we were talking the other week about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his justice. People are made in his image and God is concerned for that and he is concerned for justice. And so here in this story, we see God's great heart for for the broken, for those ruined by sin and Satan. The focus of Jesus in his ministry was on on the sick, on the bound, on the the poor, those morally and socially marginalised. It wasn't on cultivating the favour of the rich, the powerful, and the influential. And number six, God does not respond to our situation with disgust. He doesn't look at us and in all the mess that we've made of our lives and other people's lives, he doesn't look at us and say, I'm not having anything to do with that. But rather he responds with great love, mercy, grace, and compassion. And when we read the Gospels, we, we see that Jesus ministered out of a great heart of compassion. And that was something which was quite shocking, because actually it was in very short supply in those days. 
In those days, if, if you're in a bad situation, well, that was just hard luck for you. Or, or you've got what you deserved, and certainly not what you didn't deserve. So this idea of compassion was an astounding thing as we read through the Gospels. So let's just begin, shall we, by reading this story in Mark 1, verses 21 to 45. There's a, a Bible tab there on your screen if you want to read it and follow along or just listen. So, Mark 1, 21 to 45. They went into Capernaum, and right away Jesus entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he began to teach. And they were astonished at his teaching, because he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not like the scribes. Just then, a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue, and he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, and he shouted with a loud voice and came out of him. And all the people were amazed, and and they began to ask each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He can't command even the unclean spirits. And, and, and what do you know? They obey him. And at once the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. Quite a story. Imagine that happening in church on a Sunday morning. And it can. So let's take a closer look, shall we, at what's going on here. Firstly, we notice that Jesus went into the synagogue. This was a habit of his. And on a Sabbath day, he would go into the synagogue. And he began to to teach. And and teaching was an important part of the, the ministry of Jesus. He was declaring the truth about God and his character. And that's what's going on in a lot of Mark. Jesus is teaching, declaring the truth about God and his character because the enemy has maligned God from the beginning. He has maligned his character from the beginning. And Jesus is putting uh, the, the, the issue straight. He is correcting uh, the, 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 these thoughts that have been deposited in the, the hearts and minds of humans. And so he's declaring the truth about God and his character. He's declaring the truth about the human condition and the state it's in and, and, and its desperate need. And then he's te- declaring the truth about God's mighty, his powerful salvation. And so Jesus began to teach. And as he began to teach, they, they listened to him, and they, 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 were, they, were, they kind of had taken aback. They had not heard teaching like this before. They were, they were used to hearing the scribes and, uh, teaching in the Sabbath, uh, on the Sabbath in the synagogue and, and uh, arguing this and arguing that, quoting this one and quoting that one. But, but this man who stands up on this particular Sabbath day and, and teaches the word of God, he, he knew what he was saying, and he, he said it with authority. He didn't need anyone or anything to back him up, and it takes them by surprise. They have never heard teaching like this before. And as he's teaching, his teaching brings about a confrontation. And so we read there in the passage, just then, A man with an unclean spirit suddenly is stirred up within the congregation. And the the word of God, the the truth, has a way of flushing out the enemy. 
And that there are many stories in Mark about unclean spirits and demons being cast out. And it played quite a large part, a role in, in Jesus' ministry. Mark 1 verse 39 says this, Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. If it, it's, it, this was a regular occurrence. And Jesus himself says in Matthew 12 verse 28, If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come among you. And then Luke uh, says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he speaks about how God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So throughout his ministry, Jesus confronted demonic powers. And every confrontation, every deliverance was a sign of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was there present amongst them. It's interesting, you see, because they understood that only Yahweh God could defeat Satan. And a little bit earlier in this chapter, we we read how the, the Spirit comes upon Jesus and then the Spirit drives him into the wilderness where he enters into a direct confrontation with Satan. And and Jesus defeats him there at every turn. And he returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus is entering into his ministry and he encounters a demonized man. And in this confrontation again, once he's again, he's going to display his sovereign power over the devil and all that he is seeking to achieve. Now, some might say, Are you suggesting demons are for real? Surely they were simply a medical condition that they just didn't understand. Or or they were oral embellishments to drive home a particular point. Now the reality is, they were for real. There was then and there is now a very real spiritual realm. A very real dark spiritual realm in which there are demonic forces. Others have thought that uh, they were more manifest, maybe at the time of Jesus, that because of who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing, there was a, 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 an outburst of demonic manifestation. It hadn't happened before, it happened then, and it's not happened since. But that actually is not so either. Exorcisms were not unusual, but they were not easy. They were often lengthy and with various rites and magical potions. The surprise, demons were not the surprise in this story. Jesus' authority was. They had never seen anybody exercise authority like Jesus did on this occasion. And when we look at this in verse 24, it says they know who Jesus is. And they know that one day they will be judged. They know an awful lot, but listen, they do not follow him. And James 2, verse 19, when challenging the the, the, the laxity of the Christians he was writing to, he says this, the demons, they believe and they tremble. And so he's writing in a way to provoke the Christians of his day. And so this king and this kingdom will not give space to the devil and his minions. In Acts, we discover that the, the, the... the, the demons knew who the followers of Jesus were. When those people tried to, to cast out demons out of a particular person, they said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? So they knew Jesus, and they knew 
uh, those who belonged to him and the authority that, the, he, they, that Jesus had given to them. And so Jesus uh, rebukes him, that is the demon, and he says, be silent and come out of him. It's so simple, so straightforward. They had never encountered this simplicity and this straightforwardness before. Only Yahweh could defeat Satan. So there in front of them was a manifestation of God. The authority of Jesus then was quite something. And those listening and looking on were just totally amazed. They were gobsmacked, we might say. And so here Mark is is wanting us to know that this Jesus is not only the Son of God, but as God has authority over the rebellious demonic realm, over all the forces of evil. That his kingdom was coming in power and Jesus was declaring notice on the powers of darkness, at which you want to go, hallelujah. And Jesus would track the enemy all the way through, defeating him at every stage. And then as he moves closer and closer towards the cross, the battle gets hotter and the battle gets tighter. And and Jesus faces the enemy head on as he goes to that cross and he goes down into death. And and he beats Satan, he he, he conquers Satan, he conquers sin, he conquers death, and he conquers hell. He rises again, the triumphant Lord of glory. So it's it's quite a story. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on in Mark. And I want to encourage you just to to be reading Mark and rereading Mark and just asking the Holy Spirit just to be speaking to you and uh, opening up these truths to you that you might understand the dynamic of what is going on. But a question that we want to ask here is, uh, this was a story, if you like, of yesteryear. What of today? What of today? Let me just recount for a moment some of my own personal experience. I remember preaching in a packed church abroad. And right in the midst of my preaching, there was suddenly a demonic outburst right at the back of the meeting. And not only was there this demonic outburst at the back of the meeting, but suddenly all the lights went out. It was like hell was breaking loose upon us. And suddenly those who were in authority in that situation were having to deal with that. And we carried on preaching the word and and seeing the kingdom come. On another occasion, I remember preaching preaching the gospel and someone got up to attack me with a chair. I don't think that was normal somehow. On another occasion, I've seen people wriggling under the seats like, seats like snakes. I've been ministering to somebody, and I've looked into the eyes of someone and known that in looking into their eyes, I'm not looking into their eyes. I'm looking into the eyes of a demon. And that the person who is talking back to me is not that person, but a de- demon. I've been into homes where there's been demonic activity, where people have requested prayer. Or that they've been affected by occultic activity next door, gone in and, and prayed uh, for those, those people and those homes, for cleansing, for deliverance, for, for, for peace, for renewal. So demons exist today as much as they did in New Testament days. They exist in, in every culture. And in the West, they're probably more nuanced than they are in some areas of the world. When we go over to the book of Ephesians, we find that Paul says, he speaks about that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers which are in the heavenly realms. And so he's, he's making the saints very aware that there is a battle on and that we come up against 
these principalities and powers in different people and different places. Demons can affect both individuals and organizations. The devil and his demons are interested in destroying whatever is of God in this world, from humanity's relationship with God to what it means to be even a very human, to be human itself. They're out to destroy marriages and families, to destroy friendships and society. And Scripture has a, a lot to say about people and their relationships because we were made community beings. And, and, and relationships, listen to this, relationships are kingdom spaces and the enemy doesn't like them and he will try to invade them. He will try to set one against another and create a division within a marriage, within a church, within, within a workspace, etc. C.S. Lewis said this. He said that there are two equal errors into which our race can fall in our thinking about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to, to believe in their existence, but to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Now, let me say this. That the happy with... The enemy is happy with either there. So we need to beware of developing a rationalistic church culture that plays down the supernatural. It is there. It is around us. And in actual fact, we might say that the world is somewhat more aware of it than what it used to be with all the films about supernatural beings and so on. We need to understand that demons are just as real as they were in Jesus' time. And they can still get into people's lives and places and create havoc. But we must not take the demonic more seriously than God. That's important. Because if we do, we are in trouble. And we must not see that, 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 that God and, and the devil are on the same level. We do not believe in, in cosmic dualism, as if there is this eternal battle going on of co-equal powers who are fighting it out for supremacy. God is sovereign. And God reigns, and God will reign. And then Jesus has conquered Satan, and his days are numbered. And he has invested in his people, he has invested his people with authority. And so we, we do not need to, to fear the enemy as the people of God. And so deliverance then is still an important ministry, as much as it was in the days of Jesus. And I, I love this quote of Jack Hayford's where he says this. He says, deliverance has to do with possessing the full dimensions of what Christ has for us. I like that. Deliverance has to do with possessing the full dimensions of what Christ has for us. You see, the enemy, if he can't stop us coming to know Jesus, he will seek to rob us in some way of the full dimensions of what Christ has for us, that new life that we have in him. And he will seek to get a foothold in some way or other. He seeks to get footholds in, in humans and in institutions. Um, we haven't got time to, today to go into all the detail with regard to what is actually a very big subject. But just a few things to note, that the enemy seeks to gain influence in our lives. He seeks rather to gain an entry point in our lives. And he can do that through, through influence in some way or other. It can be through our own sin. Or it can be in us being sinned against. 
We think of the admonitions. We think of how Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't make room for the devil. And then he goes on to talk about unforgiveness and bitterness and so on. You see, we can create space for the enemy to get a foothold in our lives. And if that space is not dealt with, if that space, if you like, is not recovered, the enemy gets an increasingly large foothold. And he can get a place and, and it can lead to uh, oppression and, uh, uh, and, and being in some way or other influenced by demonic powers. Some of the top indicators that someone may need deliverance are these. And uh, this is by no means a, a full and complete list. So inappropriate or inordinate anger. It may be that you're in situations where suddenly there's an outburst of anger and kind of like, where on earth did that come from? What was that all about? It was totally disproportionate to the situation. And it may be something that continues. It can be inordinate and uncontrolled lust. In other words, there, there are lusts that people have to deal with on an everyday basis, and, and, and they deal with them through, through dealing with the flesh in their daily Christian lives. But this inordinate, uncontrolled lust where they have no ability to bring it under control, it may be through pornography or something like that. There can be a strong sense of indefinable dread where a person just has this awful dread that comes over them and they have no way of breaking free from it. There can be intense feelings of, of shame, perhaps as a result of something that's happened in the past, and, and those feelings of shame are there and you, you can't get rid of them. Another thing is, is, is violent dreams. Suddenly in the, in the middle of the night, these, these dreams that people can have that, which are, are so violent and so unlike them. And, and just one more, struggling to believe the best about God. That's a big one. The enemy will seek in every way he can to undermine the knowledge of God, the character of God. And I want to say to you uh, today, if, you, if any of these things affect you or in any way whatsoever, if you feel that you need prayer, do use the, the live prayer button there or get in contact with us. Jesus is interested in setting you free. He's in set, interested in setting me free. He's in set, interested in setting us all free. Jesus came to, to bring us life and to bring it to us in glorious abundance. The enemy sometimes seeks to try to get in and undermine that life and get a foothold somewhere where he can somehow suppress us and oppress us. One of the things that we run at Gateway is a Freedom in Christ course, which is a brilliant course, and it's very helpful and an excellent course in bringing people into that freedom that Christ has obtained for them. And there are details available on our website. And so this is a big subject, and I've, again, scratched the surface of something. If you have any questions in any way whatsoever, please do get in contact with us. If you'd like to speak to someone, please contact them through the website or ring the church office. Uh, we, we would love to help you in any way that we can to find that freedom that God wants you to have in Jesus. And so, as I draw to a close this morning, I want to just gather all of this up in prayer, recognising, yes, that God is sovereign, and Jesus came and he lived among us, and he dwelt among us, and he came to destroy all the works of the evil one. Not only them, but right down to this present day. 
And, and that, that ministry still goes on through his people. He has commissioned his people. He's empowered them with the Holy Spirit. He's given them the word of God. And that ministry still goes on, bringing people into that freedom. And so, if you're in that situation this morning, I'd like to pray for you. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you that you do not respond to our situation with disgust. You do not turn away from us, but you respond to us in love, mercy, and grace. And you have turned towards us in Jesus. So manifestly so when we read these Gospels, when we read this Gospel of Mark. That in Jesus you came to rescue and restore us to her true humanity in relationship with you and those around us. And I just pray in, Je- in the name of Jesus for the establishment of his victory in the lives of all who are listening. In Jesus' name, may any spirit that may be affecting, controlling, manipulating, influencing, confusing, condemning, tormenting, discouraging or deceiving any spirit that is not of you be gone. And may every chain be broken in the name of Jesus. And may that full freedom and wholeness that is your desire be the portion of each and every one. This guy asks, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. And now we're going to hand over to Andy and Dami to lead us in some final worship together. Thank you. God bless you.